Hi, welcome with Hanging with the Oregon Homies. I'm Oscar and... And I'm Frankie. And of, see, and of course at our show, uh, we are on air on Fridays from 12.30 to 1. Mm-hmm. And, and the show repeats on Saturday at 12.30 to 1. That's right. That's right. Well, Oscar and I have been kind of figuring out some days the topics lend themselves and tell <laughs> us that this is what we should talk about and other days it kind of doesn't. And we, we're always um, open, by the way, to ideas from all of you. As we get into the holiday season, uh, I guess we're in the holiday season. Yeah. Um, uh, we're, it's almost December 1st. And so w- as we get closer to Christmas, we'll, we'll probably do at least one show talking about Christmas and how... Um, we Navidad. celebrate it. Navidad. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Christmas was clearly the my dad's favorite holiday. <laughs> and um, he just, he loved Christmas. And so do I. In fact, I just got, you know, I, I love luminarias. And mm-hmm. I used to, I try to put them out every Christmas Eve to, to, to welcome dad home. And, because they were very meaningful to him as he was growing up. And, um... But I live on the Oregon coast, for God's sake. So, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of years I couldn't do them because of the wind or the rain, you know. And so, and the way I like to do them is with a, a real candle in them and a paper bag so you can see how quickly that goes wrong in or- <laughs> on the coast. And finally I thought, you know what, I can buy plastic luminarias mm-hmm. with light bulbs in them. And so I bought my first set of luminarias and it feels a little cheesy to not you know to be doing it that way but you know we do what we can right so i bought one set of them and we'll put them out i really in my little community where i live i thought nobody nobody puts out luminarias mixing it up that's right (laughs) did you say mixing it up mexican (laughs) right so i thought well we'll show them a little bit of culture and Mm -hmm. i'll put out these uh uh, last year i was already with the bags and the candles and stuff (laughs) and of course the weather was really bad and and so no luminarias so i'm going to put them out in fact i'm going to put them out um as part of the decorations for the upcoming holiday party Mm-hmm. I think that will be fun, and you know we'll have the usual stuff with Santa and that and a tree. But I think these are meaningful to Mesoamericans and to Latinos um, because I think wouldn't you say that? And and I didn't mean for this to become a Christmas show, <laughs> but um, er, er, don't others? Uh, I think of luminaries. I think of New Mexico because that's where my dad was from. But I think luminarias are like a thing everywhere. Mm-hmm. In Mesoamerica. Yes, uh, where I'm from, uh, we have the. Uh, there's a road there which goes uh, through the mountain. Uh-huh. Uh It's called Scenic Drive. Uh-huh. So what happens at the city during Christmas time that that puts up the uh, luminarias that are all along that the road. Oh, I bet and it's so, beautiful. Uh, and, it's and it's really beautiful that because um, you can. This is the only time of year that where you can drive that with your headlights off, and it's that uh, because it's gonna guide you oh, through the whole. Oh, that's so yeah. symbolic, <laughs> because that's what luminarias are about. Mm-hmm. That's so Riding they. the path. Yeah, they show the way, 
and um, anyway, we'll we'll talk a lot more about. We're, we're I think we're in a Christmas mood, actually. Um, but of course, we've got to talk instead about. Um, uh, uh, I want to talk a little bit about this book. You know, I don't know if folks realize, but I do um, book groups. I've been doing them for four years now, focusing on anti-racism issues um, and really educating ourselves because there's a lot that all of us need to unlearn about our history and to learn about our history. And um, I've come across this book that um, the book group's been reading now for over a month called Our Migrant Souls, A Meditation on Race and the Meanings and Myths of Latino. And it's by Hector Tobar, who is an, a Pulitzer Prize winning uh, journalist and a novelist, but he's also a professor. And so in this book, he talks a lot about, from the perspective of his students, what his students are experiencing or their families have experienced. Or, and, and, you know, Hector, like all Latinos I know, or a lot of us that I know, are, we're, and we talk about it on the show all the time about identity. Mm -hmm. Who are we, and 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 how how do we understand ourselves a, 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 in this in this white world that we're in, and at least in the U.S. and um and 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 it, we're not the only ones who do this. You know, uh, indigenous people do it. Uh, black people. We've all been. Asian people were always concerned with identity because we are the other and so our you know our identity is not given so let's look at the census and uh, one of the questions that is mainly comes out if you're Latino yeah then there's white <laughs> black and indigenous but see and then there's other <laughs> yeah. and then for us it's like okay so what do I catalog my to myself as yeah and uh, it see and it's kind of weird but I tell people that the only thing is that we put white that because for Mexicans uh, we have that the European blood yeah so which is white <laughs> so that's it's, right so that's why that we that we put ourselves that in the census has white well, we have to. That's what our mm -hmm. and he talks about that, but I, I I think he has forgotten that on our birth certificates there are no other options. Mm -hmm. Still today, still today, um, uh, all brown people, actually Native um, uh, mm -hmm. Americans, indigenous, anyone other than black people, have have a a there. There's three races on our mm -hmm. on our um, on our um, on our birth certificates. Not necessarily the census. The census ha now has sixty thousand categories on it. I, I'm exaggerating, but um, and and there's good things about that and not so good things about that. Um, but on your birth certificates, there's still just three. Um, um, they it used to be called Negroid, which mm -hmm. it's not now, of course. Um, Mongoloid, which it's now it's Asian Pacific Islander, and Caucasian. And there's good 
political reasons for there not being a designation for us. Um, but it's, it's indicative of, of where we stood, in a sense, uh, in, 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 the, the, in the, the, the need to be able to be identified. They, they clearly didn't, have, they didn't find a need to identify us. Well, well, you see, and then that this starts to relate that towards that your point in the which we're going to be discussing about it is uh, brown people. It's that they don't want to acknowledge us that they know that we're yeah. here, but we're not here. Yeah, it's this is a very I have not, you know, I've thought about this stuff my whole life, but this is but the way that um, Hector Tobar is thinking about it is he uses the word in, in, um, interrelatedness or interdependent. And his thesis in this one chapter is that, is that you can go back in time, but white people have been dependent on us, Latinos, Mesoamericans, for, for, cent for centuries, really. But we could just say for the last hundred years, and um, and you go into the high income neighborhoods, maybe not here on the coast, but you go into high high income neighborhoods. Although it's true where I live, and during the day you see brown faces, mm -hmm. and what are those brown faces doing? They're putting on the roof. They're installing the carpet. They're they're doing the yard work. They're and. Child care. Child care. Mm -hmm. Kids aren't allowed where I am. Well, they're, they're not allowed <laughs> to live there. But yes, child mm -hmm. care. Um, um, home health care for, for adults um, who are in need of help. And, and, of course, the big, big one is that they pick, they, without agricultural workers, we would have no food. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know the majority of the agricultural workers are Latino or Mesoamerican, and so um, even your Christmas tree that you go and buy at the Christmas tree lot has been tended, cut, packaged, wrapped, loaded onto a truck um, by um, Latinos and Mesoamericans. Even if you go to a restaurant, oh yeah, the back house every time it's mainly going to be the it's going to be the Latinos work. Even in Chinese restaurants, mm -hmm. which, you know, it doesn't matter what kind of restaurant it is. <laughs> That's really true around here on the coast. And so, um, but he says that, that um, the U.S. image of itself doesn't include this relationship between whites and Latinos. And we've talked about how um, Latinos aren't in it. We're not in the conversation. Mm -hmm. And and he kind of, for me, kind of answers part of that. Um, he says that there's an intimate relationship between Latinos and whites that remains a kind of national secret, an unspoken truth. He says that Latinos and whites, lab you know, the U.S. is not ready to accept the presence in, of Latinos in the most intimate corners of American life. We're talking about who's raising the babies, who's in your home, you know, cleaning your toilets, who's, um, you, you know, when you think about people who work in your home or in your, your, your community, they come in in the morning, 
they leave by five or six o'clock um, and and there's no other Latinos or Mesoamericans mm-hmm. around you and 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 so there's this weird you know he says that we watch each other's comings and going across driveways and front porches and stoops but that those encounters are weaponized and I think that's a very interesting way to think about about it and by weaponized he's really he, he's talking about this dichotomy between between we we need each other whites need latinos to for every aspect that we just mentioned and yet then they get home turn on their nightly news you know and if they listen to fox news or look in their social media or wherever and they see oh you know there's people at the border they're coming to hurt you and the caravan and, is coming and it's going and they're coming to take your jobs and they're going to and now they're here to threaten your family and it's going to threaten communities and th- yet we have this intimate hmm? relationship that's the conundrum that's what he's saying is so twisted in the united states right now is is but he also says that there's a good reason for that. And it's not a good reason, but there is a reason for it. He says that whites are told to tap into an unease and build power and profit from it. They're told um, that, they'll risk, that they risk losing something about themselves um, if they were to accept and to acknowledge this interdependent or or um, relationship with brown people. He says, our closeness to one another, the feelings and insights that develop inevitably when we learn about each other and come to admire and love and respect one another can show us how much untruth there is in racist thinking. So he's saying if we were to only acknowledge that the role that we play in each other's lives, whether from a Latino perspective, whether we like it or not, we do play these roles. Um, that it it would it, it it the whole power structure between whites and Latinos would 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 flatten out. What do you think, Oscar? That is where I would have, and I would say no. Okay. See, and part of the reason is that. And part of the thinking, and in the way which I know that, which uh, the author that the uh, Tovar is uh, going on, it is that because has Mexicans and has Latin and has Latinos that we have, we have the this this norm that where that where we will uh, we will submit, and that's exactly that what he's doing. It is that uh, in. It, See, instead of trying to break that the cycle, and he's saying no, that we that we see that we have to submit that in order to understand that the relationship, it, and that's not the way. That's not the way to break the the cycle. That the way to break that this cycle it is that we have to come there with reality and say it's like no, we are here. This is who we are, and this is what we do within society, yeah. and. See, and one of the biggest yeah. things was uh, 
we have to think about just like with uh, Cesar Chavez and uh, Maria Huerta and uh, what they did uh-huh. back back in the 60s uh, with the grapes. Right. To what is it that what they did was was that they got that 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 all of the uh, Latino workers and to stop picking up grapes. Yeah. To what happened? Right. It started to resonate that not that not only in America but it hit a world. Really? Yes. Uh, that other countries that started to figure like like oh hey wait a minute uh, uh, America that is not producing grapes now. Uh huh. Why is this now? And then they start to see that the movement. And the thing is that uh, you see, and everybody tends to uh, tends to expect us uh, to be complacent. And yeah. just because uh, they give us something here, see, and see, right. and everything that is solved. Now, the other thing in which we have to think about it, it is that when you look at uh, that with African Americans, mm-hmm. just just look at society, and you'll say it's black and white. Right. Okay. The only reason that with African Americans in which they see in which they have gotten that their voice heard. Was be was 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 from the civil rights movement, yeah. and uh, this is a uh, where this was at the big push. Right. Okay. But at, but at the same time, that has Latinos that uh, we were there with them. Right. We were. We, Absolutely. We were side by side. Absolutely. We marched with them. That we also see that we also held up that our end of the deal. Yeah. But, but, but. But what happens was that the focus was now that with Africans Americans, right? And uh, this also happens that within that with the indigenous, yeah. See, and the, once again, that we will stand side by side there with each other, yeah. But the only thing it is, uh, who is going to listen to us? We're yeah, it's like we're we're everywhere, mm-hmm. as he's saying, we're everywhere, and yet, and yet, not not given the voice mm-hmm. that others get. Now, maybe we're just not loud enough, Oscar, which kind of surprises me because I think actually we can be pretty loud, <laughs> but they've got something on us that they don't have on any of those other groups we're talking about is deportation. Mm-hmm. You know, so we speak out and we become, and, and while this didn't bother Cesar Chavez or, or mm-hmm. Dolores Huerta, there's always that, that. La Migra. Yes, always La Migra. Mm-hmm. We can, um, um, we can deport you anytime we want. In fact, mm-hmm. Trump is, is, is threatening that now. If I'm president, you're all going to be deported. And it's like, oh, crap. Do you know what? And for me, and when I hear those comments, and and it's like, oh yeah, sure, try and I get rid of, try and get rid of the silent majority. Well, and as we just said, you know, and documented or not, we know that there are many rich people who mm-hmm. who hire undocumented people to to feed their to feed their babies from their own breasts to to raise their children to pretend that they're part of their family, which we know that's really not, that's kind of just a myth that I think makes white people feel better. Um, and this is true for black people as well. Mm-hmm. The difference is she can say, the, the, the mother or the family can say, 
well, you know, you better work for this much money or you better do these things because we know that you're undocumented and we know that, uh, you know, some Lamigro would be happy to come and take you away. And so there's always that threat. Never the recognition, and I think that's also what Tobar is trying to say, there's never that recognition that white people need us. We built their homes. Mm-hmm. We, we, we take <laughs> care of their homes. We make them look good to each other. <laughs> and yet, you know, you better be gone out of this neighborhood by 5 o'clock because you really don't belong here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just like a George Lopez at uh, Makes Fun that yeah. makes makes fun that of what FEMA stands for, yeah. and uh, we all think it's the Federal Emergency Management Agency, right? Right. right. But uh, see, and the George Lopez says no, that FEMA stands to find every Mexican available. <laughs> whenever you right. see, uh, whenever disasters come, that's great. Who is that workforce? Who is that workforce in which you are in which you are going to bring in that uh, that in order to help? Built. And and you were saying earlier about the movie. I've got to watch this again. What's it? A, a day without Mexicans. A day without a Mexican. And uh, this is see. And uh, this film, I believe, was in the late nineties, uh-huh. that uh, early two thousands. And you see, and this film that the premise was just uh, that uh, this cloud comes comes to America, and. And also that the cloud forms are right around at the border. And then uh, all Mexican peoples and all Latinos that are taken away from all American cities. Things would come to a screeching halt. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that people are as aware. I mean, we keep telling them every week. But I don't know how aware people are um, that every aspect of our lives is 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 performed <laughs> by by a latino person and and you know and and there is a part of me that's uncomfortable with how we talk about this all the time just a little bit because we're more than our labor mm-hmm. <laughs> you know we're we're poets we're writers we're we're doctors we're lawyers we're you name it we're in every we're politicians we're we're in all aspects of life and yet we do get reduced down mm-hmm. to picking the crops, cleaning the house, you know, working in the restaurants. Medial jobs. Yeah. And so that's what the... That's right. So you see, uh, that one of the things that which I see, in the, and one of the things that which I have always joked about it is, if all Latinos that decided to vote has one single block, yeah, we would dominate U.S. politics that were no... That were only brown people that could get elected to the highest office. Yeah. That, that see, and this is a, this is a power that we yield. Yeah. But we have not yielded effectively. Because of La Migra. Mm-hmm. Because of La Migra, we step out, and that's how they keep us in line. Mm-hmm. And 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 see, the deal is, is that we don't have to actually be undocumented for that to be a threat, mm-hmm. because. You know, and I know that it doesn't matter if we have our passports on us. That's not going to keep us from being deported. Maybe it would get us back in the U.S. quicker than it might. But it's, it's you know, it's always that threat. And so I guess we have to 
get better at just at at just ignoring the threat and if we get if we get deported we get deported mm -hmm. i mean i mean that's kind of the game that this is about mm -hmm. and um but until i guess until people recognize and and treat us with respect um then i guess we'll have to just keep beating the drum that you know <laughs> look you guys and and you think it's better in mexico not when it comes to white people <laughs> um in this one neighborhood i'm familiar with in a very white part of this town in mexico people brown people in mexico are only seen in this community between eight and five o'clock maybe six <laughs> and that's it then they're gone and the white people you know can go on with their little lives and do you know what's the funniest thing and uh see and uh, since you mentioned this uh my uh, daughter went for thanksgiving and uh, to go visit her aunt today in hawaii oh wow okay and what happened was that was that she made that the comment in a and uh well the two machine goes hey dad when i went to the store and i saw the uh samoans were very different with me oh and yeah. then she said yes you see and whenever that i would see and whenever that i would walk into your store they were extremely friendly and it's just because of my skin tone right. it goes and uh, they were extremely uh uh greeting oh hi, hi. And, and uh see and uh how are you doing What's and uh do so we have this other, and uh, then that when a white person that would come in nothing oh that's really that no uh greeting and so nothing and oh, uh, wow. this is something that which he told me was like and uh, she even told me that it that this felt great that because to be welcomed <laughs> yes yeah. and uh, to be welcomed yeah. um and the only thing was that this time was that we were being judged that by, that by our skin tone, yeah. and which they knew that we were brown. It's like, oh, right. wow. See, right. and 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 uh, one of the weird things was that uh, one of the ladies that she met didn't that uh, the, during that plane was that the lady was a uh, Filipino, uh -huh. and then that she thought my uh, daughter was uh, half. Uh, <laughs> Filipino. Sure. And sure. Uh, see, and uh, sure. see, and and see, and then that the same weird thing that my daughter that was telling me was that the dynamic that was different. Yeah. Com and uh, compare that when she said that with a white person, just like. Well, and it doesn't it tell you everything <laughs> about the race relations in that community, hmm? because um, you know when it's so stark like that. Um, yeah, I, let's see, we're almost out of time, um, uh, but it reminds me of a quick story that um, now I can't seem to remember, so I think I'll let it go. Oh, I know what it was. So, I don't know about you, Oscar, but I, well, you've lived in El Paso, but I live here and have lived here for off and on over 40, 50 years, and... Um, so when I walk into a room, I never expect to see a Latino in the room, right? So then I look for anybody who's not white, <laughs> just to give a nod to. It's like, all right, you know. And then if there's no, you know, or then I'll look for uh, 
folks with disabilities, you know, if there's, it's like there's this list of, you know, who can I relate to in that room, even if it's just a nod, we don't have to sit next to each other, just a nod, anyone who's different, because, and it's not because I feel unsafe, or it's just that recognition that, okay, you know, we're here. <laughs> so we are here, and we do have to end um, but so, go ahead, Oscar. And then just a real quick that before we end. Uh, okay. And so I know that we met that at the college. And so how did it feel to see that another brown person? <laughs> oh, God, it was amazing. But the best part, Oscar, was when I came to in service when we were still when we were doing them in person before COVID, and there was beans and fresh tortillas. <laughs> it was like I couldn't believe it. It was not the OCCC I had left the. the <laughs> the year before we've got to go please come to our holiday party on sun this coming sunday on the third we've got lots of wonderful I'm, I'm surrounded by all these beautiful things that people have donated we have gift cards to restaurants but we're going to have lots of fun things for kids um and we have great music um 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 uh Ah, Chayeg yes. is going to play. Um, the slugs Lugs. are going to play. There's going to be cookie decorating for kids. I think it's going to be a fun two to five American Legion Hall this Sunday. Thanks, folks, for listening. See you, Oscar. We'll see. <laughs>